Thank you for joining us at the Center for Spiritual Living Seattle. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And for further information about our center, or if you wish to make a donation, please visit us at spiritualliving.org. Ah, good morning, all. I just looked over and saw uh, Ruby Romero, and I just want to acknowledge Ruby and our wonderful Emma Marino. Yes, who are both uh, practitioners of our, our prayer practitioners of our our philosophy, and they will be doing a workshop this Wednesday to the for the Conference of the Americas, and that is a conference that was started maybe oh gee about eight years ago for Spanish speaking people, and it is spread all over. Uh, the Spanish-speaking world, and and they are they are uh, actually graduating tomorrow and acknowledging their first group of uh, ministers that were trained in Spanish, and and so I'm very I'm very pleased that you could do this and that that you're really reaching out and serving a whole segment of the world. And that's good, because that's what we do, is what we learn, we take this in, and then we see where it is ours to share. You know, like, okay, this I can do, this I can do. And because eventually, if we take this information in, and we don't start to let it out, then it won't become a heavenly fervor. You know, there's something about a heavenly fire that's really exciting, and the heavenly fire happens when we let... We let our knowledge be used for purposes greater than ourselves. So, I have a few things. This month, I came up with this grand theme, at least I thought it was. You know, how, how many of you have ever come up with something, you, know, you just pat yourself on the back, oh, really clever girl. Anyway, I did that because the theme for this month is establish, establishing conscious community, and I thought that was a great idea since this is the month that we have CBEC. Now, for those of you that might be new, either online or in the room, Seebeck is our church camp. And even saying that, I think 40 years ago, I would have gagged. Church camp. Ah! But it's really quite exciting and good. It's heaven on earth. It's really wonderful. Who's gone before? Yeah. And it's pretty nice, isn't it? And it's heavenly. It's heavenly. Because you don't have to do anything. You don't, there are no have-tos. Except don't complain. But anyway, other than that, it's pretty open, and you just get, we, we offer you a smorgasbord of activities, and you pick and choose. I mean, I think that's what heaven's like. So, it's a great experience, I thought, oh, let's talk about community, and let's talk about consciously establishing a community, and I had great ideas about how to talk about it, and then, how many of you, you've had a great idea, and then you notice that spirit has a better idea? Ugh. It'll keep you humble. So... I had this idea about how I was going to talk about inclusion and, and community, and then for some reason, something appeared. I don't, well, of course, for some reason. Yeah, right. Anyway, <laughs> uh, on, my, on my email feed, there was this book that showed up, and I knew I was supposed to buy it, and it was by, by Brene Brown, and it's called Daring Greatly. And so I read it, and I went, oh, my, 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 my. Here's what she says. This is about, if we're talking about conscious community, she says, connection is why we are here. 
We are hardwired to connect with others. That's what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. Without it, there is suffering. And that's the truth. People suffer because they feel isolated, alone. I have to do this all by myself. I'm tired of doing it myself. This hurts. And the isolation is getting bigger and stronger and more painful. Now, there was a theory that came out from the first ideas about evolution, and Darwin presented an idea that there was the survival of the fittest. Since then, people who have studied evolution, and they continue to study it, and this is the thing I want to say about science. Science is never stagnant because it's about discovery. You make this discovery and then you see more evidence. And science is always shifting and changing because the evidence that comes in is always shifting and changing. I'll leave it. The new evidence for evolution is that it's the survival of the most cooperative. It's animals and people who cooperate that can overcome situations that an individual, whether it's an animal or a person, can't. It's the evolution is that which is, is showing it. it's the survival of the most cooperative. So we cooperate when we feel like we can connect. And maybe that we have are hardwired to connect so that we can cooperate, so that we can evolve past the things that we are all experiencing, whether we are a hive of bees or a tribe or a world. Now, I want you to stay with that, and then I need to tell you a story. And I've told some people this story, but listen again. This is... This is a discovery I made, and I'm going to say I probably made it about 32 years ago because I'd just gotten into Seattle. So I think it was a long time ago. And I have this game that I play with God, or whatever. <laughs> and the game is, I have a question, I need an answer. I'm going to do this thing that I'm doing until you give me the answer. So I'll do something I don't want to do, like, you know, sit. You know, I've done that before. I'll just sit until I'll sit. I'm sitting here until I get the answer. Well, I went for a walk, and 32 years ago, it wasn't my favorite thing to do. So I went to one of the colleges in Seattle, and they had a track. And I got on the track, and I started walking. And I said, I'm going to walk until I know what love is. Now, the reason I wanted to know what love is is I was going to talk about it the next day. This is Saturday night. I'm talking about it on Sunday. I didn't really know what love is. I mean, I did not come from a functional family. I hadn't had a lot of track record in relationships. I, except for my grandmother and grandfather, I didn't know that I'd ever been loved. And that's only two out of a lot. I, I, and I wasn't sure that I knew how to love back. I mean, I really didn't know this thing called love. So I said, I don't know how to talk about it if I don't know what it is. I'm walking until I get an answer. Well, about two times around the track, 
It's just like, now I'm going to give you my answer. It may not be the answer, but it was my answer and it shifted my life. And the answer is, for me, is that love is the experience, the felt experience of what's already going on, which is oneness. When we know oneness, we feel love, which really narrows the description for this thing that we call love because we are so indiscriminate with the word love in the United States. I don't know about other countries, but I love a donut. But you're not one with a donut. Now, it might be one with you after you eat it, but you are not one with a donut. You know, I love that movie. No, you're not one with that movie. There's... But so do you see how it really made me understand how I will use that word in my life? I will use the word when I feel a connection. That's me sitting there, honey. I, no, that's me too. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I, I, I get off the lap and I'm so unconscious that I would have sat in your lap and it would have been so embarrassing. <laughs> oh! <laughs> So I had to do it while I was still conscious. So, back. Where was I? Oh, yes, donuts. Oneness. I got it. It's true. When you love something, you are one with it. You, it's, its well-being is your well-being. Its liveliness is your liveliness. You want to contribute to it because it contributes to your experience. That's love. Now think about the things you've loved, whether it's a pet or an animal or a significant other. And yet, if there is one, and, that's, and this is so important because that's a basic tenet of our teaching. One. It's all one. Now we can be in our shell or cell and think that there's no, there's a bunch. There's really, I'm counting. One, two, three. And we can, and we can go, we can say that, but that's why Paul said, we're all a part of the body of Christ. Christ being that experience of God. We're all a part of the experience of God. We are part of this living, breathing, intelligent universe we are one with it as it's one with us and we're one with everything else because we're all connected. Now we can pretend like we are all, you know, like it's just little old me and that'd be a cell that didn't want to co cooperate with the rest of the body. What is a cell that doesn't cooperate with the rest of the body? What's that called? Cancer. Cancer. We're just doing our own thing. Or... We can cooperate with the rest of the body. And then we have the experience of, of what needs to come to us comes to us. And what needs to be eliminated is eliminated. And everything is in a flow. And we have the experience like we're part of the hum. We're part of what's going on. And it feels good. So we isolate ourselves and we draw lines. I mean, have you seen a few lines lately? Have you seen the lines in the sand? We isolate ourselves, and we never truly cultivate connection. Instead, of we sometimes will cultivate faux friends. Social media is full of faux friends. 
and, and, or, you know, acquaintances or a wave, but, but connection is different. Like, I am involved with your life, your life is involved with me. And the more that we grow in our awareness of the one, the more we can incorporate our experience of oneness with others. Now, what keeps us in our self-created shell or separation? Because that's, that's actually also part of, of the tenets of our teaching. One, we're all one, and the, the origin, the original sin, is not somebody eating a stupid apple. I mean, that's bad for Washington fruit growers. That's a bad rep. Oh, yeah, want a sin? Anyway, uh, I mean, get over it. That's not the original sin. The original sin, the, the origin of all sin is the sense of separation from ourself, from our God, and from others. From that, all things fold that are not good. So, what causes that? Brene Brown. Back to Brene Brown. You thought I was over here, forgot her? No, I'm back to Brene Brown now. Brene Brown says that the reason that we separate ourselves, and I would say, she separate, you know, original sin, separation. Why do we separate ourselves? She says it's shame. We aren't, we think we aren't enough, that we're not worthy of love and belonging, that we haven't done enough. And if you think about it, it, when people were making God in their image, because this is an ancient, ancient, ancient human condition. And when people started making God in their image, meaning I have to make God support the way I'm already feeling, which is shame, because it's been going on for a very long time, original, what we did is that we created a God that said you're flawed and you're flawed at birth with some sort of ancestral birth defect. And you can never do anything worthy of my love, but I'll love you anyway. You couldn't earn it if you, if you had to, but I'll do it anyway because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a bigger God than that, which is a bunch of stuff because it doesn't heal shame. And shame is what makes us feel separate. And separation is what's causing our problems in the world. So it's not really healing. And, if, and it doesn't bring heaven. How many of you have ever... Oh, you don't have... No, let's just raise your hand because everybody's going to raise your hand. Who's felt shame? All right. Look, if we're all in hell together, at least it's a party. I mean, really. Yeah! I mean... I often, when I was a born-again Christian, I thought, I don't know if heaven would be fun with you guys. <laughs> I thought that. So, so, according to Brene Brown, people who are less affected by shame, and we're all affected by shame, she calls them wholehearted. They live wholeheartedly. They believe in their own worthiness and their ability to be loved and belong, and they are enough just as they are. Take me or leave me. I'm good enough. Doesn't that just sound like freedom? And doesn't that sound like heaven? Who wants to go to heaven? Good. Well, you can read the book. <laughs> it's big. And it's got chapter after chapter, and it's quite quite meaty. You can read that book or I'm going to give you a hack, a heaven hack. 
because I'm into simple. And I'm into like, let's just do it now. Jesus in, the, in so many gospels, but especially in, in the uh, gospel according to Thomas, he said, you know, heaven's happening now and you guys are missing out on it. So you can put yourself on a program, and some of you may. I'm not saying don't do it. To read the book and put yourself on this program, but it's going to be, you know, like I got to do this and I got to do this, or you could do this. And this is the hack. This hack actually also comes from ancient wisdom because the antidote to shame is to love God. When the rabbi Jesus was asked, you know, what do you say are the greatest commandments? And he was asked that because they had a lot of commandments. There were not only the 10, then there was the 630 uh, verbal commandments that you had to keep. I mean, can you imagine? There were the, the, the Pharisees just went around making sure that people didn't do those, one of those 630 things you weren't supposed to do. Hmm. Anyway, he said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, and with all thy soul. The second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself, meaning love yourself so that you can love your neighbor, and you're doing that because you first love God. And then, this, I love this, I gotta, then Paul says, it is, writ, uh, it is written that the eye hath not seen, nor the ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for them who love him who love him, like love him, like feel the connection. Not fear God, not try to be good, not try to win God's favor, not say, look what I did, God. Love God. How do we love God? How do we do that? Hack the hack. Court the presence. Just court the presence. All my retreats, I start with courting the presence. So we spend at least the first quarter of that time courting the presence. So if it's a short retreat, we spend shorter time. If it's a long retreat, we spend longer time. And those people who have been on retreats with me know that that's what we do. We get all the chatter out of the way. Hi, how are you? This is what I did on my summer vacation. Now go away and shut up. Well, I'm nicer about it than that. but I start with go Court the presence, court, like be open. Be open to knowing your connection with the divine. And everyone does it their way. Some will go sit by a tree, some will go talk to a tree, some will just sit on the ground, some will go inside and, and meditate, some will listen to music, some won't, some will go for a walk, it doesn't matter. But they need to be by themselves for no purpose except letting go of busyness. Busy activity, busy chatter, busy conversations, busy cell phone activity, busy emails, nothing. Just let it go. And I, by what I also want to say, busyness is one of the most addictive addictions there's going on. What keeps us from being present to our own worthiness is addiction to busyness. Figuring things out, then doing it, then seeing how you worked. If we had a 12-step group for busy people, we wouldn't have a big enough room. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kathy Ann, and I'm busy most of the time, except for right now. But excuse me, i got to be busy. And we're really busy. 
And it keeps us from just being present, to just be present. And so what happens when people come back from this, however time it was, they have experienced calm and peace and serenity and security and rightness in their world and a sense of their worth and a sense of love. And, a, and sometimes they get downloads. Sometimes they get answers. Sometimes they have a healing. They come back and they're totally different. Their face is different. They're radiant. They're, pe- I mean, peaceful. Like you can see it on their face. Like I don't, I, I don't, they do not have to say I feel peaceful. No, you are peaceful. They don't have to say I'm calm. No, you're calm. They don't have to say, I feel more powerful. No, you're powerful. They come in different, absolutely different, just from taking the time out of the busyness in the day so that they are that thing. We are that thing. We've always been that thing, but we were too busy, busy, not paying attention to that thing. And once they feel that connection with God, they're more connected with all the aspects of themselves. Like, yeah, this is part, I'm, we can go through lots and lots of training to embrace all of our aspects, all of, how many of you know you have a few personality quirks? You know, we can spend a lot of time learning to embrace those, but when people come back from just practicing the presence, this quirk is cute. Used to be ugly, but now it's like, yeah, I'm shy or I'm bossy. Look at me, I'm bossy. You know, that would. <laughs> I'm also shy. I'm a lot of things. So, so. No one in the 30 years that I've been doing this has ever come back and said that something spoke to them about how awful they were. No one. I mean, I'm serious. It sounds funny, but I'm so serious. No one has ever come back and said that the universe mirrored to them their own ugliness or their unworthiness or the flaws they have that really matter. Nothing. That, nothing. Nothing. It's not there. All the universe can do is reflect back to us our own unique specialness, uniquely. I'm bossy, so? I'm also shy, so? I doubt myself at times, so? It's like, ah, and that's part of the picture. And it's beautiful. There is a holy calling of the soul. There's a holy calling of the soul to connect. I think the reason that people flourish when I give them permission is the soul's been wanting that. Nobody comes back and says, I couldn't do it. No one has come back and said, I couldn't do it. Given permission, the soul goes, oh yeah. Let's just go to the well and slurp it up. You know, Jesus said, I have water you know not of, and the soul goes, oh, yeah, let's go. Wow. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Thank you. I just had to say that because I love us. It occurred in my head. And I thought somebody would think it was funny because <laughs> I did. Um, you know, 
and, and I'm also a stupid comedian at times. It's just part of who I am. See, the soul wants to feel one with that thing that's greater than ourself, whatever you want to call it. And it feels like love. So we seek that connection and then all else is added. I had a month off and, and I've just been seeking and seeking and connecting and connecting. You know, I can't even remember who I might need to forgive. It just dissolved. I, I will start to think a thought out of habit and I'll notice it just float away because love is starting to take over. Because I sought first to connect with God and then all the internal stuff happens. And I watch my life, like I think a thing and there it shows up. I think a thing and it shows up. I'm not treating anymore. I just let God do what the Bible says, which is go, I will go before you to make straight your way. And it's not difficult. But I'm taking the time to connect, which is the whole idea of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for us because it's a, it's a suggestion. Take time off to connect. You're busy. But instead, we got so busy and so addicted to busy that we even filled up the day that we were supposed to rest and just connect. And we get busy. I can't, I'm busy. Well, what I've noticed is my connection, everything goes so well, I don't even have to be so busy. And there's actually a part of me that goes, well, what are we going to do? How about just enjoy? I don't know. I don't know how to do that. I know how to be busy. How many of you know that? How many of you know hamster wheel? Really well. Instead of enjoy wheel. Really well. And then when you understand and you connect with what you are and it's revealed to you from within. See, in the, I love the gospel according to Thomas. It says, that which is within you will save you will save you. It will save the world. Not what you make up, not what you piece together, but that which is within you will save you. And so within you, you're going to discover things that you didn't know you had. Talents and, 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 and attributes that seemed foreign, but then all of a sudden you are it. And it makes a difference. You know, I can be disturbed by the world. How many of you can read the paper and get disturbed? Just, bah. Listen to the radio, get disturbed. It's disturbing. And yet I've been spending a month just being conscious and what God said is, hey, look, I gave you the power to pray. Why, are you pray why aren't you praying more? You know, bitch less, pray more. I will give you the T-shirt. And I've got a T-shirt. I'm giving, I'm giving it to Stephanie Ann. <laughs> so let's try this. How many of you have something that you know a feeling of unworthiness or not enoughness gets in the way of? You know you'd like it, but it just gets in the way. It's best if you have the experience because we're going to do an experience together. And it's best if you just sort of like pull that in, know what that feels like. And Jal's going to join me. And let's just take a deep breath. <sighs> 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 
and just let your soul be open. See, it's so simple. It's a hack. So simple. Just let your soul be open to being touched by something greater than yourself. Call it whatever you like. To be touched by something greater than yourself. Just be open. And you could say something like this I am open. I am open to knowing the presence of God around me, in me, through me, and as me. I'm open. There's a song that says, I am opening to God. But if we don't have the idea that God wants to be with us, then what's that song all about? But boy, since it is the one, it wants to express itself as the one. So we just open and let that spirit, that, that presence reveal itself to you and, and see what it does to you. And notice that in the presence of God, you're enough. So whatever you face that you may have thought is a challenge, guess what? You'll be enough. If you're enough now, you were enough whenever it shows up. If you're enough, you'll always be enough. It's only a story we tell ourselves that I'm not enough. But we are. We are not enough. We are worthy of love. We're worthy of belonging. We're worthy of blessings. We're worthy of heaven. Let something reveal to you your worthiness. And then just know that it happens in this moment or it may happen on the way home or it may happen this evening. But if you have opened up, it will happen. There will be a revelation of your connection to God. And I say, thank you, Spirit. And so it is. Thank you.